Welcome to Understanding the Bible with Pastor Stephen, Season 2, Episode 18, The End Times, Daniel. So we'll start out right away with just a basic um, understanding in regards to the Bible in general. And I wanted to point out that when it comes to understanding the Bible, most of the time it's fairly straightforward. Uh, the Bible is is meant to be taken literally, and that means quite literally when Jesus Christ in the New Testament uses a metaphor or a parable that you have to take that grammatical tool and understand that literally that he actually said those things and it was a story that he told that that meant something else. So if you know from basic English, you know, a metaphor or a simile, a metaphor uses like or as and a simile does not. So I could say, I laid down in the bed and it was soft as a as a bed of roses. That would be a metaphor because I used as. So that would be taking it literally for the grammar tool that was utilized, the metaphor. All right. That's what we mean when we say take the Bible literally. When people read the Bible, you're supposed to read it exactly like you would any other book. So when I read, let's say, an autobiography about somebody, then I'm supposed to take it literally, the dates and times and places that the guy states, and not try and allegorize it and think that he's talking about, you know, well, one day is like a thousand years, so he really meant, you know, something different. No, no, you take things for for as they are stated. So you also have to understand the words in the context of what they are talking about, whether it be historical context or the particular context of that language and the way they use that word. So when it comes to the book of Daniel, this is why I really like this, is the book of Daniel is very hard to be misinterpreted because when Daniel dreams a dream, he tells you what the interpretation is so that you can't make it up into something that you want it to be. When, when the Bible says something, I take it for what it says. When it doesn't say something, such as uh, cars, right? The Bible doesn't say anything about driving cars. You can, you can use the principles that you find in the Bible to apply it to the way that you drive. In my estimation, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, whether you believe that you need to be an aggressive driver or you need to be a polite driver or, or you need to be a, a loving driver because, you know, God wants us to love everybody and or, or whether you want to be a driver that always lets somebody cut in front of you because you see turning the other cheek can be applied to driving cars. You can each have your own view of how to apply scriptures in your particular life. Okay, in your particular set of circumstances. But when it comes to the words that are actually stated, I'm a very strict literalist. And if you try and tell me that Jesus was saying, turn the other cheek is meant to apply to people driving cars, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Because number one, the historical time period that he said that nobody drove cars, had nothing to do with that. Number two, he doesn't say anything about driving cars when he talks about turning the other cheek. He's talking about persecution and, and, and people offending you personally. So applying the Bible in your life, you have a lot of freedom and a lot of leeway to use it how you want. 
but telling people the Bible says something about the way you apply it to your life is most often not true. So if you are teaching people that God says in the Bible, you have to allow people to cut you off when you're driving a car, I'm going to call you out for that because you cannot change the words of the Bible or lie and tell people that the Bible has words in it that clearly are not there. So this is why I like the book of Daniel. Um, he doesn't leave it open to your own interpretation. Daniel tells you what the interpretation of these things are. So when it comes to the end times, it is very difficult to get this wrong. Now, there are some things we'll get into here uh, that he's not clear on. And then it is kind of open to how you think it applies in the future or in history. And, and we'll cover that in a minute. But let's get into the first one here uh, as far as the first dream in uh, Daniel chapter 2, verse 31, about the statue. It says, Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image. This great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay, and brake them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, the brass, the silver, and the gold broken to pieces together, and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. If you stop there, people will come up with all sorts of meanings on what they think this is, but you can't stop there. You've got to read on. So in verse 38, he's talking to the king and he says, thou art this head of gold. And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee and another third kingdom of brass, which shall bear rule over all the earth. And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces and subdueth all things, and as iron that breaketh all these shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes, part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it of the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, then they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men, but they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. For as much as thou sawest that the stone was cut out of the mountain without hands, and that it break in pieces the iron, the brass, the clay, the silver, and the gold. The great God hath made known to the king what shall come to pass hereafter. One thing to note is that last bit there, that the God of heaven shall set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed. So he's talking about physical kingdoms. All right, so let's talk about what those kingdoms are, the fulfillment of the prophecy. The head of gold was the Babylonian empire. He clearly said, you, O king, are the head. Then the breast and arms of silver are the Medo-Persian Empire. If you look uh, later in Daniel chapter 5, verse 25, this was the handwriting on the wall. It says, and this is the writing that was written, mene, mene, tekola, parson. This is the interpretation of the thing. So here you cannot get this wrong. 
The interpretation is, Mini, God hath numbered thy kingdom and finished it. Tekel, thou art weighed in the balance and art found wanting. Perez, thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then commanded Belshazzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet, and put a chain of gold about his neck, and made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. In that night was Belshazzar, the king of the Chaldeans, slain. And Darius the Median took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. And of course, history shows that is exactly what happened. Then you have the third kingdom that came after, which is the belly and thighs of brass. This was the Grecian Empire. Then you have the legs and the feet, a kingdom divided, which many people believe the legs are the Roman Empire. And potentially the feet are the ten kingdoms at the end times. So we're not for sure what the feet are, but we think based on history, the historical fact that the Roman Empire took over after the Greeks, it could be that they were that legs of iron. And this is why I say that. And this is where we don't know, because Daniel actually has several visions of the same thing. We'll get to those visions here in a minute, but he explains more and more about this vision in the other ones. And we have to be careful in regards to this. The Bible does not say that each of the visions are of the same thing. But each of the visions do explain different kingdoms. And you'll see how they, they appear to be the same as far as telling of the end times. But the Bible doesn't say that. So when it says four kingdoms and four kingdoms and four kingdoms in the next coming visions that we're going to discover here, he has a vision of the four beasts is the next one. It could very well be that he's describing eight, you know, 12 different kingdoms in a chronological order. You'll see that that doesn't really make sense in just a minute here as we read chapter seven. But I believe that Daniel did not quite understand because these were future events to him. And God kept giving him different dreams to try and get him to understand. So let's go on to it. Potentially the 10 toes, the feet of uh Miry clay and iron, where the, the kingdoms were divided, could be the ten kingdoms of the end times. All right. And then, of course, there's no question about God's eternal kingdom was the stone cut out of the mountain because he says that is the interpretation. And he doesn't name what that kingdom is. Okay. So let's move on to chapter seven, and you'll you'll see this starting to come together here. He has a vision of four beasts. Daniel chapter seven, verse one. In the first year of Belshazzar. Again, the same king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night and behold, the four winds of the heavens strove upon the great sea and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse from one another. And here you get where this is clearly related to four kingdoms. He'll talk about that in a moment, which is why I think it's another way of describing the statue that he just that we just talked about. Verse three, and four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side and it had three ribs in the mouth of it between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. 
After this, I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and brake in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it, and it was diverse from all the other beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So this is the parallel with the ten toes that were mixed iron and clay on the feet of the other one. Verse 8, I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots, and behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of men, and a mouth speaking great things. This is the new revelation. I believe God was trying to explain to him how the end times is going to go about, and he's explaining more about this fourth kingdom that is going to be destroyed by the stone cut out of the mountain, that's going to be destroyed by Jesus Christ. We'll continue and, and read on here in verse 9. This is why I think this is, this is very clear when he explains the interpretation. Here he describes, right after explaining this fourth beast, he describes the great white throne judgment in Revelations 20, verse 10. So Daniel 7, 9, very next verse, it says, I beheld till the thrones were cast down and the ancient of days did sit, that's God, whose garment was white as snow and the hair of his head like the pure wool. His throne was like the fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. A fiery stream issued and came forth from him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him and 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. The judgment was set and the books were opened. Verse 11, I beheld then because of the great words which the horn spake. I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. That's talking about casting Satan into the lake of fire. That's the great white throne judgment in Revelations 20. So this is all very interesting. Now, if you skip down a couple verses, you read to where he gives the interpretation. Daniel 7, 16. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. These great beasts, which are four, are four kings, which shall arise out of the earth. But the saints of the Most High shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, and exceedingly dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured breaking pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell, even of that horn that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. I beheld, and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. This is a revelation of the Antichrist. Verse 22. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High, and the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. Then he said, the fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms and shall devour the whole earth and shall tread it down and break it into pieces. Here's your one world government. And the 10 horns out of this kingdom are 10 kings that shall arise. So when you're talking about one world government, you've got to be thinking about 10 regions or 10 kingdoms that rise up first. And another shall rise after them, and he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. So we will have like a united nations of ten kingdoms. One of them is going to rise up and subdue three of the others. Verse 25. And he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. 
and they shall be given into his hand until a time and times and the dividing of time. That's three and a half years. What it's saying is a time is a year, times is two years, and the dividing of time is half of one of those times, half of a year. So one, two, and half a year. That's three and a half years. But the judgment shall sit, and they shall take away his dominion to consume and to destroy it unto the end. And the kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So it's becoming more clear, you see, with the second vision that he has. In my estimation, this reveals a little bit more about that fourth kingdom. Yeah, maybe the legs of iron from the statue were the Roman government. We don't know that, but it's possible. And, and how that gets broken down into the, the, the feet, the ten toes, where it seems to allude to, okay, there's ten kingdoms. Well, here he explains those ten kingdoms a little more fully. So what about all the intervening years? The 2,000 years since the Roman Empire, you know, fell apart and all the different kingdoms that have come since. I believe from this interpretation, and you'll see from the next one as well, that where the stone that is cut out of the mountain crushes them all. And here you see that the fourth kingdom, the fourth beast, treads all the others underfoot. I think the legs of iron and the ten toes and this fourth beast are talking about all the kingdoms of men after that third kingdom was destroyed. So if you take all the kingdoms of men to where they eventually coalesce into a loose assortment of a one world government run by 10 different kings, like this one says here, and then the Most High comes and crushes all the kingdoms of men, I think this is a way of him summarizing because if he tried to list every kingdom for the last 2,000 years... There would be book after book after book. This would take forever and, and you'd begin to get lost in it in, in what he was trying to describe. So I think he sums up those last kingdoms of men being destroyed by the Most High as that unification of all the different kingdoms that eventually becomes the ten at the end. And then the Antichrist takes over, rises up, kills three of them or subdues three of them. And then the Most High God comes and destroys the Antichrist and all the kingdoms of men. And then don't forget the part that it said here about the judgment given that the saints of the Most High will possess these kingdoms. So now we're getting into the 1,000-year reign of Christ where Christ actually appoints some of the martyrs to rule the world during his 1,000-year reign here on earth. So that's getting more into revelations, but just be aware that this stuff is throughout the whole Bible. It's not just someone trying to interpret one verse in the book of Revelation. It's here in Daniel. It's in Ezekiel. It's in Matthew. It's in other books of the Bible. It runs throughout the whole thing where God over a period of time has been trying to tell people what is coming to pass. All right, now this is history to us. The reign of Alexander the Great was about 336 to 323 BC after Alexander's death. At the height of his conquest, his brother and two sons were murdered. The kingdom was divided among four of his generals, which became the kingdoms of Egypt, Asia, Macedonia, and Syria. And this perfectly describes Daniel 7, 6, which says, After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, so this would be the kingdom of Alexander the Great, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. 
it seems very clear now looking back on history that that third kingdom was the kingdom of of the Greece that split into four separate heads or four separate rulers. Then you have uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, uh, the Greek Hellenistic king who ruled the Seleucid Empire from 175 BC until his death in 164. This one's very interesting because I believe that this is a partial uh, fulfillment of the prophecy we'll read here in just a moment. But uh, some of the some say that his persecution of the Jews lasted almost precisely 2,300 days until the Maccabean Rebellion. So we'll get into uh, chapter 8 here in just a second, but I want to read this part about the prophecy. The Greek historian Diodorus, he wrote about Antiochus, and he said that Antiochus sacrificed a great swine at the image of Moses and at the altar of God that stood in the outward court of the Jews, and sprinkled them with the blood of the sacrifice. He commanded likewise that the books by which they were taught to hate all other nations should be sprinkled with the broth made from the swine's flesh. And he put out the lamp called by them immortal, which burns continually in the temple. Lastly, he forced the high priest and the other Jews to eat swine's flesh. Won't get into all, all of his reign, but this was in the second temple period, which began with the construction of that temple around 516 uh, BC and ended with the Roman siege of Jerusalem in 70 AD. So some parts of this prophecy in Daniel chapter eight appear to talk about that time period as well as the end times. So there are things in the Bible and you'll find this throughout the Bible when uh, the, especially the old Testament, when we had all those different prophets to Israel that came about that there are double prophecies in the Bible. Some parts specifically refer to only the nation of Israel that was going to happen in that prophet's lifetime where they would say, you're going to be led away into captivity. And unless you repent and sure enough, they were. But then when you read the prophecy, it actually points very clearly to the great day of the Lord, which is a reference to the end times when God comes back and reigns here on earth. So think about that, the fact that there are double prophecies in the Bible that at the time the prophecies were given, they thought it only meant them. But now we can look back and we can clearly see that it also is a reference to the end times. So history repeats itself, right? Let's read Daniel chapter 8. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto me, Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was at Shushan in the palace, which is in the province of Elam, and I saw in a vision, and I was by the river of Uli. Then I lifted up mine eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. And I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward, so that no beasts might stand before him. Neither were there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great." And as I was considering, behold, an he-goat came from the west on the face of the whole earth and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, and ran into him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close unto the ram, and he was moved with choler against him, and smote the ram, and brake his two horns. And there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Therefore the he-goat waxed very great, 
and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, and for it came up four notable ones toward the four winds of heaven. And out of one of them came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. And it waxed great even to the host of heaven, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified himself even to the prince of the host, and by him the daily sacrifice was taken away, and the place of his sanctuary was cast down. And an host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground, and it practiced and prospered. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto that certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation, to give both the sanctuary and the host to be trodden underfoot? And he said unto me, Unto two thousand and three hundred days. Then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. All right, we don't have time to get into this one. We'll cover the interpretation of this vision on the next episode. So until next time, may God bless you all.